Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. Welcome to Valley Point Church. Welcome to our home. My name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is truly a joy to share this day with you. Let me talk to you about where we're going with our next few moments, just so that you have an idea of our walking path. I want to begin by sharing a rescue story with you. And this may be a story you remember occurring last year. If not, you'll get to hear about it for the very first time. I think we all love rescue stories, and so we're going to begin with one of those. After that, I will give to you what I like to call a big idea. And this big idea will shape the rest of our conversation. When we're done with the big idea, we will then step into Luke's gospel. And we're going to read a handful of verses there that also talk about rescuing. And then when we're all done with that, we will conclude our time. And I want to share with you what I hope are some helpful takeaways, something you can take with you that will help you survive another seven days. So this is our walking path. Rescue story, big idea, Luke's gospel, some really fascinating words there, and then we'll end with some takeaways. Let's begin with this word rescue. It's the first Sunday in a new month. And we begin a theme today that is going to carry us all the way through the month of April. And so if you come back next week, we're going to be talking about this theme. If you come back on Easter, we're talking about this theme. If you come back on the final Sunday of this month, we'll still be talking about this theme. And that theme is rescue. Rescue stories are inspiring, aren't they? I think we all love a good rescue story. And here's the deal with rescue stories. I believe we like them because they speak to the good of humanity. It's about a group of people coming together to work toward a shared goal. And we love rescue stories. Back in the summer of 2018, so less than a year ago, The world watched with great anticipation as a group of 12 boys from Thailand and their coach were trapped in a flooded cave. And they had no way to get out of that cave. It involved an extraordinary mission. It was Saturday, June 23rd, when the 12 boys, ranging in age from 11 to 16, had walked through a soccer practice with their coach. After the practice, they decided to go into this cave to explore. The Wall Street Journal shared that they had been to this cave before, so it wasn't a new place for them. But on this particular day, they made the choice to go further into the cave. They wanted to go deeper into the cave so that they could write their names on the wall as sort of an initiation. And that's where they got into trouble. They went deeper into the cave. And then on the outside of the cave, heavy rains began to fall. 
and it soon flooded the cave, and the boys and their coach were trapped with no food or no water because they were not prepared to stay in there. A rescue was absolutely necessary. But a lot of people began to wonder if a rescue was even possible because of how deep they were inside the cave. Many people began to write them off like this cannot turn out that well because they're too far into the cave. We cannot rescue them. Well, the effort quickly became an international collaboration with a lot of different countries participating and sending their experts to help with this particular rescue mission. The boys and the coach, in the meantime, were stranded on a rocky ledge more than a mile underground. To extract them would require that they be submerged in water, bone-chilling temperatures, very cold water, and they would have to be submerged for up to 40 minutes at a time. It was a very dangerous mission. So people began to think, what can we do? How can we rescue these boys? Plastic cocoons were designed that the hope was the boys could be placed inside of these cocoons, and then they would be placed on a floating stretcher that would be guided through the treacherous and cold water by divers to a rope that hopefully would be able to pull them up to safety. That was the hope. So many things could have gone wrong. So many things. But after 17 days of surviving in that flooded cave with no food and no water, all of the boys and the coach were lifted to safety. They were rescued. The world cheered. The world cheered. Because people came together to do something extraordinary. Rescue. We love it when it works, right? We love it when a good rescue works. There is applause, there is relief, and there is joy. There is great joy. We love rescue stories. I think it is nearly impossible to walk through the pages of the New Testament and look at the life or the story of Jesus and not conclude that he is the ultimate rescuer. Jesus, the rescuer. Jesus, the ultimate rescuer. And that brings us to our big idea for today, which will shape the rest of our time together. So please take out your talk notes if you want, and you can fill in some blanks as we walk through this. Here's our big idea. Jesus, the rescuer, is wise. And that's one of our key words for today, wise. Jesus, the rescuer, is wise. As we walk through this theme throughout the month, I want to look at the profile of a rescuer. If someone rescues, how do you describe them? What is the sketch of a rescuer? Well, throughout our month, I hope to build each week this sketch of Jesus, the rescuer. We're going to begin today in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. And after I read that, we'll walk backwards to looking at Jesus as a child, which we often don't think about Jesus as a child. There's Jesus, the infant, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. There's 
that Jesus. And then there's walking on dusty roads, helping people with long flowing hair, Jesus. There's the adult Jesus and then the baby Jesus. And we don't often think about how he was a human. And at some point he was a child. We're going to look at that today because I think there's so much we can learn from Jesus, the child, and how he was wise and how that paved the way for him to be the rescuer. Okay, Luke chapter 19, verse 10, here's what we read. For the Son of Man, speaking of Jesus. So Jesus, the Son of Man, came to seek and save. That word save there in the construction of the sentence means to deliver, to preserve, or to rescue. So we could read that to say, the Son of Man, Jesus came to seek and rescue those who are lost. That's the mission, the purpose of Jesus. He came to seek and to rescue all of us. He came on purpose. He came with this mission to rescue. And we see this demonstrated from a very early age. So let's go back now and think about Jesus as a child. So some context just to build to Jesus as a young boy. In Luke's gospel, chapter one, here's what we discover. An angel, a real angel, comes to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and she was very young at the time, and said, Mary, you are pregnant, and you are going to have a baby. It's going to be a boy. He will be the son of God. And Mary's like, okay, wow, wow. Not information I was expecting, but may everything you said about me come true. That's what Mary told the angel. What we discover after that whole conversation is something called Mary's Magnificat. It's a song she delivered as a praise because of what was going to be happening in her life and how her world was forever changed. And so she offers up this Magnificat, this song. Because I'm happy, sing along. If you feel like a room without a roof. No offense to pop culture, but I think Mary's Magnificat was a little more sophisticated than that. She offers up this beautiful praise, this song of God. Wow, this is incredible. So there are a few other things that happen in Luke chapter one, but those are the highlights. When we get to Luke chapter two, we find that Jesus is born. There's the angels, the shepherds, all of that. And we kind of leave the story there until Jesus is older and he's an adult and he's helping people and then dying to pay the price for the sins of the world and rising again and going back to heaven. There's the infant Jesus and then the adult Jesus. Again, we often forget about Jesus as a child. And so here's what the last part of Luke chapter two tells us about Jesus as a child. I'll begin reading with verse 40. It says there the child... Jesus grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with, say the word with me, wisdom, and God's favor was on him. So Jesus, this young little boy, he grew up healthy and strong, and he was filled with wisdom. 
Jesus, the rescuer, is wise and God's favor was on him. It's quite a statement. Here's what happens next. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, so there's our age. When he was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. Now, let's pause there for a moment because we look at that through our cultural lens of how we function and operate today and say, what? How in the world could parents not know where their 12-year-old child is when they're traveling? It's not like they're just at home. They're actually moving from point A to point B. They are going somewhere. They have to pack everything up. How could they not know where their child is located. I get that it's Jesus and all, but how are they missing their 12-year-old boy? How is this possible? Bad parents, right? Bad parenting day for Joseph and Mary? Question, have you ever had a bad parenting day? I think there should be a lot more hands up in the room right now. Bad parenting days, they do happen even for Joseph and for Mary. But here's what we need to know about this situation. Here's what's helpful for us to understand. It's not bad parenting. This is more of a cultural reality. And we have to keep in mind that Luke, the author of this historical account, did not write this in 2019. Scholars tell us that Luke's gospel was written approximately 1900-ish years ago, and we have to keep that in mind. We have to view this through their cultural lens, not ours. In this culture, when you investigate and when you research and when you study, you come to find that they traveled in caravans. They traveled in groups. They traveled in packs. That was normal for them and customary for them. And they did that so that they would be safe as they traveled back and forth. They also did that for companionship. And this is what I believe is happening here with Joseph and Mary. They are traveling with relatives, with other friends in a pack, in a caravan, so that they are safe and they also have some companionship. So it's not a surprise that they don't know where Jesus is located as they're traveling because don't worry about it. He's with Uncle Paulie or Uncle Frankie or Aunt Sue. Jesus is okay. We don't have to worry about this. There are no problems yet, no concerns. Let's continue with the story. But when he, Jesus, didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, (laughs) when they couldn't find him, parents, this is kind of a freak out moment, isn't it? If you've ever lost your child for a little bit, there's panic, there's tremendous fear on the inside, and I believe that's happening here. When they couldn't find Jesus, again, assuming he's with some family or friend as we are traveling, home, he's with somebody, but now they can't find him. And you can almost picture this conversation between Joseph and Mary. 
right? Joseph, where's Jesus? Mary, we have nothing to fear. He is the son of God. I think it's all going to work out. Okay, calm down, calm down. Well, that didn't help Mary that much because here's what happens. They went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. So we are going to worry about this, Joseph. As a matter of fact, we're going to return to the city and we're going to find our little boy. Scholars tell us that the population of Jerusalem at this time would have been somewhere in the seventy to 80,000 range. There's a lot of people that live there. This is also a festival season, so it's likely that population swelled to many more people, which means finding Jesus is going to be a challenge. Three days later, can you imagine? Three days, hey, hey, you can't find Jesus. Our 12-year-old boy is wandering around somewhere. We can't find him three days later. Jesus and his three-day excursions are kind of interesting. That's a side note there. I do want to say this should make all parents feel really good about themselves because even Jesus stressed out his parents, all right? Even Jesus did that. So they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic. And that word in the construction of the sentence means to be worried or to be terribly frustrated. And that's how Mary and Joseph are feeling. They are frantic. They are frustrated. They are worried to death. And Mary asks, your father and I have been searching for you everywhere. Why have you done this? Verse 49, Jesus responds, but why did you need to search? He asked, didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. And then here's how it concludes. Verse 52. Jesus grew in, say the word with me, wisdom. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Tremendous story. And again, we find Jesus growing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with all of the people. I think it brings up this question, who is Jesus? Who is he? Is he an infant? Or someone we only think about for a bit at Christmas time? Is he a kind person? Is he someone who helps others? Is he a child prodigy? Asking questions and also listening to what wise people of the day were saying about faith and about religion and about God the Father? Who is Jesus? Well, I think Jesus is all of these things and we see this wisdom growing in him as a 12-year-old boy. John Ortberg, a scholar and teacher, says this about Jesus. 
He is history's most familiar figure. His impact on the world is immense and non-accidental. That's Jesus. History's most familiar figure, his impact on the world is immense and non-accidental. And why is that? Why is his impact so deep? It's because he's wise. Jesus, the rescuer, is wise. Which brings us to our takeaways for today. I have three of them to share with you. First, from his earliest days, Jesus was growing in wisdom to fulfill his mission. From his earliest days, it wasn't like he had to wait until he was a little bit older and he launched into his public ministry. He didn't have to wait until then, even from his earliest days. We see this in Luke's gospel. He is growing in wisdom so that he could fulfill his mission, which was paying the price for our sins and our mistakes. I believe that's why when his mom asked him the question, what are you doing? He said, don't you know, I have to be about my father's business. That's what I have to be doing. Well, his father's business is about paying the price for the sins of the world. And Jesus came with a mission. That mission was you. Jesus loves you. And he came on purpose for you. And from a very early age, we see Jesus grasping this and saying, I've got to be about my father's business because I have a mission here that's going to rescue people. Second, I want to encourage you to personalize the rescue mission of Jesus. I think sometimes it's very easy to talk about all of this as if it's some transaction that happened a long time ago, and that is true. And we kind of exclude ourselves from the narrative, from the story. Like, that's all well and good for somebody else, but I think we have to personalize the mission of Jesus because he came with this mission for you and for me, and he loves us. And so what does that mean for you? Does it change anything? And are you willing to trust in the one who came with a mission to rescue you? Personalize the mission of Jesus. It's for you. It's for you. And then third, this week, I would encourage you to read the story of Jesus growing as a boy in Luke chapter two. Just read that over and over and over again. I think it's kind of a funny story. There's some unique dynamics here. And let the words of the life of Jesus as a 12-year-old boy kind of fall into your heart and into your life and think about him as the rescuer growing in wisdom. Okay. We shared a rescue story. We walked through a big idea about how Jesus, the rescuer, is wise. We looked at a lot of different verses in Luke's gospel, and we gave some helpful takeaways. I think this helps us to understand that Jesus, he came with a mission. He came to do something for us, and get this, Jesus is wise. We see that demonstrated from an early age. 
We see it in the fact that he came on purpose and with a mission. And these are things that we have to personalize. Throw yourself into the narrative and enjoy what Jesus came to do for you. May God just give us the strength and the ability and the desire to lean into the gift of Jesus. Will you pray with me? Father, we step into your presence now and we are thankful for this first Sunday here in a new month just to think about how Jesus is a rescuer. And throughout the month, we're going to paint this sketch of him. Today, we have seen that Jesus, the rescuer, is wise, and that even happened as a young child. He knew he had to be about his father's business of being on mission. And that mission was to seek and to save, to seek and to rescue those who are lost. God, I pray that you would help us to take these words, help us to take these thoughts and be grateful, be very grateful for what you have provided and what you have given to us. I'd like for you just to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for a moment. Let's just have a time of contemplation. Maybe you're here today and you're just reminded of what God did in sending Jesus on mission to rescue us. And maybe you just need to thank God for what he's done. Maybe it's been a long time. The greatest thing you can do today walking out of here is just giving praise to God for what he did for you that you never could have done on your own. So just thank him for the gift of Jesus. Maybe you're here and you are ready to trust in Jesus the rescuer. And perhaps you're really captivated with what he did for you, how he came on mission to rescue, to seek and save you. Then from your heart to God's ears, I would just tell him that you're trusting in the leadership and the forgiveness that God offers through Jesus. And you're trusting in Jesus, the rescuer alone, to save you, to deliver you. Just talk to him about that. He'll meet you right here in this moment. Father, I want to thank you for this time to think about Jesus, the rescuer, and how he came with a mission to deliver all of us. God, I pray that you'd help us to walk out of here in a moment with a renewed sense of gratitude for what you have done 
but also with a sense of purpose in our daily living because of what Jesus did for us. Again, I thank you and I praise you for the gift of Jesus, the rescuer. We pray all of this now in his name, in his name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.